It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And the draft is over, so I'm happy to have back one of my favorite guests One of the best there is out there in the draft game, Mr. Charlie Campbell, Senior Draft Analyst for WalterFootball.com. Charlie, thanks so much for coming back on the show, brother. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me, Scott. So, Charlie, let's start with the first pick that the Jets made. This isn't a surprise to anybody. We all knew for over a month that they were going to pick Zach Wilson, the quarterback from BYU. I know that you said that you prefer Justin Fields. Tell me what you think now that the pick has been made. Have you talked to some people around the league? You said last time that the consensus seemed to be leaning towards Wilson being the number two QB in this class. What do you think of the move here? And what does the general consensus seem to be around the NFL about what the Jets did here? Um, Well, I haven't really talked to other teams about their thoughts on the Jets draft per se, Um, but I think that you know, it, it, what it, obviously it became clear that they were uh, going to take Wilson and that after going through all the different scenarios, they were just more comfortable with resetting the quarterback position uh, and resetting the contract, not trying to fix Sam Darnold and going through with a rebuild. I think, uh, you know, that, that I can understand that in terms of the great advantage, the rookie quarterback contract is uh, from just seeing, you know, other reports like that they turned down the 49ers first round pick. Uh, I think that one hurts in terms of the Sam Darnold trade, what they could have had. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, they have a lot of picks for 2022. So they're starting another rebuild project that's going to take uh, some time for them to continue to build up the roster. But this year was laying an important foundational piece. And now they just got to get it right and develop Zach Wilson and hope that he pans out and, and breaks the trend. At number 14, the Jets traded up from 23 to grab Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard slash tackle out of USC. Looks like he's probably going to play guard. The thought, apparently, among most scouts and decision makers is that Vera Tucker could be a good tackle, but an excellent guard. This trade-up has generated a little bit of controversy among the analytics people, like Seth Walder, for instance, at ESPN, and Jason Fitzgerald at OverTheCap.com. What have you heard about Elijah Vera Tucker? What's the prevailing thought, and what did you think of the move to jump up from 23 to 14 to grab him? Well, a lot of teams uh, had thought he was one of the better players in the draft outside of 
say the the top elite non-quarterbacks like Kyle Pitts, uh, Sowell, Jamar Chase, uh, those guys were really kind of considered the the elite players. And then there was a drop off after them. Uh, but among that next group that was considered really among the best players in the draft, Vera Tucker was one of those guys that consensus across the league. So uh, in terms of value, they got a really good player at 14 there that has two position flexibility where he could play guard or he could play tackle. You could play him at left tackle, right tackle, left guard, right guard. I mean, that it really, uh, that's excellent versatility for getting the best five in front. And with a young quarterback who played really weak competition in college at BYU, um, I think it makes a lot of sense to continue to build up that offensive line. That was a position they really didn't do a whole lot on in free agency. So continuing to build that up, really improve the talent in front of uh, Zach Wilson, I think makes a lot of sense. And getting Vera Tucker uh, where they did, I think is solid value considering that he could be uh, a really excellent guard or tackle in the NFL. And then in the second round, Charlie, the Jets got a guy that many thought could go in the first. That's Elijah Moore. Jets were cornering the market on Elijah's, as Joe Douglas joked, and they were also cornering the market on Michael Carter's, which we'll get to in a little bit. I looked at Elijah Moore's tape after the draft, and I really loved it. I think he's got the potential to be a special talent in the NFL. What do you think about Elijah Moore, and what was the consensus before the draft, as far as you could tell, in terms of where he might go? Well, you know, he was kind of on the bubble in the for the first round and second round. He was in that group uh, of players that could go late one, uh, and if he didn't go late one, he was expected to go early in the second, which is how it played out. Uh, and he'll be a definite upgrade over Jamison Crowder uh, as a slot receiver to go with Corey Davis and Denzel Mims. He brings a lot more speed uh, and playmaking ability, I think, that, than you have with Davis and Mims, who are more bigger-bodied receivers. I think more is going to help stretch the field vertically and give them a big play element downfield uh, that they don't have with the outside receivers. So I think he's a really good fit in the offense, and I think he's a really good uh, value there for them at the top of the second round. Then the Jets didn't pick again until the fourth round, at which point they got Michael Carter, the running back from North Carolina. By all accounts, the Jets were considering taking him with that Seattle pick in the third round that they traded in the Elijah Vera Tucker deal. What do you think of the value here? It seems like a lot of people believed Carter was going to go in the third, and yet he slipped to the fourth. And as you said, Elijah Moore slipped into the second round where he was kind of in that late first round, early second round bubble. Value-wise, it appeared the Jets were doing pretty well to this point, right? Yeah, I would say so. I thought Carter probably would go uh, in the third round. Uh, I think that, you know, being the second running back at North Carolina, you know, he fell under the radar uh, to a degree because of all the focus on Javante Williams. But he's a really good back, um, showed some serious ability to contribute in the passing game, has speed. Uh, I think he'll be a really good scheme fit. Uh, for the scheme that they're implementing there under Mike LaFleur. So 
uh, I think that was a really nice pick and value for the Jets early in the fourth round. Jets decided after that point to go defense, but before we get to that, I wanted your thoughts on their overall strategy here. Did you like what they did using the first three picks after Wilson to essentially get him weapons and protection? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously they're banking on Zach Wilson, uh, you know, Joe Douglas, uh, Robert Sala. I mean, they need this pick to work out or they're going to end up uh, on the chopping block uh, in a few years. So uh, in order for that pick to work out, I think you don't want to repeat the mistake made with the Sam Darnold era where um, they really didn't do enough to help him out in terms of the offensive line being a weakness, the wide receiver position being a weakness, not being able uh, to have any playmaking ability out of the backfield. So I think when you uh, look at the draft as a whole there, they really helped uh, their young quarterback with some pieces for the long term uh, that will help him in all phases, you know, protection, uh, receiving ability, running ability, uh, even, you know, Carter, what he offers as a check down receiver. So I really think that there was a nice strategy for after you take the quarterback, uh, you help support him and inject some more talent into the offense. After those four picks, though, the Jets decided they'd had enough of offense for the draft and figured they would go defense the rest of the way. They began in the fifth round with Jamie and Sherwood, the linebacker slash safety out of Auburn. This was the first of several hybrid type players that they would pick and sign as undrafted free agents. What'd you think of this move? Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, the kind of role he carves out in the NFL. I think the best fit for him would be as uh, a nickel linebacker being a a guy that comes up uh, to linebacker and the nickel, which you're playing, you know, 70% of your snaps. Sometimes teams are playing nickel the entire game these days. So I think having a guy that uh, was a tough run defender at Auburn might not have the coverage skills and ability to play safety in the NFL, but could be a nice fit at linebacker uh, in the sub package, I think makes sense. So I think he can compete uh, to be a will in that position. Uh, and that makes sense as you know, giving them some competition next uh, CJ Mosley. You'll see what he has uh, in store this season, uh, but around him, they could use more talent and more, uh, sub package uh, ability there at linebacker. So I think Sherwood gives them some quality competition for that spot. Charlie, it's funny you mentioned nickel because the next player that the Jets picked at number 154 in the fifth round, Michael Carter II, is somebody that looks like he could be a good nickel corner, somebody who plays the slot. It's something they need since they haven't re-signed Brian Poole. And the more tape you watch, the more you think that that's probably where he's headed because he's talked about being able to play some safety, being able to play some slot, but the Jets have a needed slot and he seems to fit there really well based on the all 22. What did you think of this move? Um, Yeah, I think he definitely will fit as a potential slot. I think uh, being like 5'10", 180, he really doesn't have the size to be an outside corner. Um, but he, overall, uh, I thought that he had a really nice season uh, for Duke uh, 
in 2020. Uh, I thought he, looking back, he did pretty well in previous seasons. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, he, he's physical for a slot corner, uh, willing tackler, uh, willing to contribute to the run, um, has some ability to, to really compete with receivers. Uh, but, you know, I think he has some limitations there in terms of size and speed. And you saw that uh, in 2019 when Duke played Alabama and Jerry Judy and Jalen Waddell really had their way with uh, him. So I think he's going to need some development uh, as a slot receiver, a slot cornerback uh, to go up against the kind of receivers he'll see there out of the slot. But to start out, I think he could be a you know solid fourth, fifth cornerback that also contributes on special teams. And you work with them and see if he can end up being that that third slot corner in your uh, nickel defense, which is basically your base defense now. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Concerns about the size of Michael Carter II, but definitely no concerns about the size of the next couple of picks that the Jets made. And we'll start with their final pick in the fifth round, Jason Pinnock, the cornerback out of Pitt. What did you think of this one? Well, you know, I thought that he had a solid uh, season. I watched a decent amount of Pitt in terms of uh, getting a look at Paris Ford and Damar Hamlin and Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones. And I thought Pinnock held up well. I think it would have been nice uh, to see a bit more um, ball production in earlier seasons. And then you saw that come along as a senior. Uh, So that was nice uh, development there. I'd like to see that improvement. Um, But yeah, he has quality size at six foot 200. Um, has decent speed and athleticism for a guy with that size. I think he just needs to develop more uh, kind of recognition of routes. Uh, I think he uh, has a little kind of sometimes he gets a little crossed up in terms of balance and his feet, uh, which can lead to some issues. Uh, so I think that he's got a lot of developmental potential, um, but given the size and the skill set. I think he's a solid day three value with a guy uh, that could be a good special teams player. And you hope that he might develop into something more. He's six foot tall. So as I said, no concerns there about size and certainly no concerns about the size of the Jets next pick at number 186 in the sixth round. Hampson Nisrildeen, the safety slash linebacker out of Florida State. Interesting guy here, Charlie. Really, really good player the first two years at Florida State. Then he had that big injury, only played two games this past year. You get the feeling that if he hadn't gotten hurt, he would have gone a lot higher in this draft. Six foot five, so he's a possibility at linebacker or safety, perhaps a will linebacker, which the Jets need pretty badly. What do you think of this one? It seems like they may have stolen a guy here. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to the medical. I know some teams that had flunked him medically and dropped him off their board. Uh, So, it, you know, but there have been teams that have done that with players and it ended up being a big mistake. Uh, So it's real subjective from team to team how the medical evaluation goes. Uh, But that was really the big key factor that caused him to slide to day three. Yeah, if if he had played as a senior Uh, and it stayed consistent with what he did in 2018 and 2019, then he he would have been a second-day pick. Um, So 
the the ACL and the medical concerns are really what killed him. Um, but he's a really good run defender, so I think you know projecting a potential move to linebacker makes sense. Uh, you know, being a six three, two twenty, roughly, or you know, I think that's what he was listed at as from the combine. Uh, but at any rate, I think he thrives in the box. Really good downhill defender. Uh, has some thump as a tackler. Good size to him and able for projecting to cover tight ends uh, in the nickel. So I think at that part of the draft, he he could end up being a steal if he stays healthy and he gets back uh, to that 2018-2019 form. And he has he was a good special teams player at Florida State as well. So uh, I think you know when you're talking about late round picks, if guys have a good special teams uh, history that really projects well for having them being a guy that could potentially make the roster and give you good value out of that pick. No question. I'm reminded of Ray Lucas when he was signed as an undrafted free agent at Rutgers. Bill Parcell said, work hard, master special teams, and other opportunities may come for you. And that's exactly what happened, obviously. And Ray Lucas became an excellent special teams player en route to eventually becoming a quarterback in the NFL. So for some of these guys, maybe they start out on the special teams squad and then move their way up into some playing time at linebacker, at cornerback, at safety, and that could be the case with Brandon Eccles. We talked a lot about Kelvin Joseph. Brandon Eccles, the other cornerback at Kentucky, he's not a small guy either at just over 5'11", so the Jets did go small with Michael Carter II, but the next few picks were not small at all. Tell me about Brandon Eccles. Well, Eccles, uh, you know, and, and you watch Kentucky last year, Kelvin Joseph jumped out in terms of uh, the size-speed combination, but he was really streaky, really inconsistent, uh, and that led to him getting benched for a time, and he quit the team, and some teams had real uh, makeup concerns with them, and Eccles was kind of the inverse. The skill set wasn't as impressive but he was more consistent in coverage, more steady on the field as a contributor for Kentucky. Um, I think given his size, uh, being a thinner framed guy around 180 pounds, he's going to have to probably project to being a slot receiver or slot cornerback to go against uh, slot receivers. Uh, But definitely he's a guy that has some instincts to him. Um, didn't have a lot of ball production in college, but he reads and antip- anticipates routes really well. Um, it shows some speed ability to run with speed receivers, uh, which I think will translate to him, you know, playing well on special teams. Special teams comes down to speed instincts and toughness, and I think he has that combination. Um, so I, I like that pick from a late round kind of guy that was an overachiever in college, uh, but has enough physical talent where you could see where he might do that again in the NFL and might become a core special teams player. Final pick for the Jets in the draft was number 207 in the sixth round, Jonathan Marshall, defensive tackle from Arkansas. Had some decent production, six and a half sacks, team captain, athletic traits off the charts. This is a very fascinating pick as far as I'm concerned here in this spot. It's the exact type of guy you take a swing at late in the draft. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, he only had one season as a starter at Arkansas, 
So, uh, you know, just the, the kind of limited uh, experience and, and the development there uh, hurt as far as sending him more into the late rounds. I think, uh, you know, issues with double teams and size and strength to hold up there uh, in his gap and play any kind of two gap ability uh, also are things that kind of were held against him. Uh, but definitely, you know, I think he can be a nice backup rotational defensive lineman. He's quick, uh, has some explosion off the ball, uh, you know, can really kind of fire into a gap and get a push into the backfield. So I like that projection as well in terms of maybe having the ability to become a designated pass rusher. Uh, on you know on the inside of the defensive line uh, help rotate keep Quinn and Williams fresh and you have you know a speedy backup uh, to use in maybe non-critical situations as well so I think from a depth perspective uh, it makes a lot of sense and could be a nice rotational backup which gives you really good value uh, as a late round pick. And after the draft, the Jets added some guys that could be really nice values as well. One of them, Kenny Yeboa from Ole Miss. Only one year there after transferring from Temple, but showed off a lot of impressive qualities in that one year. There were some that thought he could go in the middle rounds of this draft. Any idea why he dropped him? What did you think about the Jets getting him? Because this seems like a unique opportunity for a team with an unsettled tight end situation to get a guy after the draft who might be able to come in and contribute. Yeah, I mean, I think that he, you know, the the early part of last season was impressive. The games he had against uh, Florida, Kentucky, uh, and Alabama really jumped out of the gate uh, with big production there for the Rebels. Um, but uh, I think just given limited size, uh, blocking concerns, I think that hurts him, uh, you know, so, uh, but at the same time, I think as an undrafted free agent, that's a nice value. Uh, and, you know, every year you, you need some of those guys to kind of help provide depth and competition. And with the Jets tight end position, uh, I think they could really use it. I think with, uh, you know, the backups of Ryan Griffin and Tyler Croft uh, are solid pros, but, you know, there's limitations in terms of upside going forward and I think Yaboa uh whether he makes the roster or he gets a spot on the practice squad I think he offers some receiving ability and then you hope that you can work with him enough where he improves as a run blocker where he might be able to contribute uh and could also potentially contribute on special teams so uh definitely I think for an undrafted free agent that's a solid signing for the Jets. Last player I wanted to ask you about, and another potential solid signing for the Jets, is Hamilcar Rashid Jr., the edge rusher from Oregon State. A year ago, he probably would have been in contention to go on day one or day two after just destroying the Pac-12. This year, the Pac-12 only played a handful of games. It was messy. It was said that Rashid Jr. was asked to do a bunch of things he wasn't comfortable with, and he had very little production as opposed to the two previous years. Reminds me a little bit of George Selvey. He ended up as a guy that didn't get drafted until the very end of the draft, whereas a year or two previously, he had been destroying the conference and people 
people thought that he might end up being a first or second round pick. I'm not saying he's going to be the same player that Selvi is, and if he is, then that's not going to do much for the Jets because Selvi washed out of the NFL. But what do you think about taking a swing on a guy like this? Obviously, when somebody has that kind of production in a major college football conference, it's worth kicking the tires, you would think, right? Yeah, I mean, it was really kind of a tale of two tapes because in 2019, uh, the 14 sack season and 22 uh, tackles for a loss, you know, you saw him really getting in the backfield and making plays. And then in 2020, um, he just didn't look like a, a player really worthy of starting at the college level, uh, just completely disappeared. Uh, so, but, you know, I think that given what he did in the previous seasons, uh, you know, you look to see if maybe he has some designated pass rush ability at 6'2", 250. Uh, he lacks, you know, the size and length. Uh, typical edge, you know, edge rush linebacker and a 3-4 or defensive end and a 4-3. Uh, so he's an undersized guy, and you can see that where he has issues with getting off blocks, uh, you know, and he's going to need to work on that, improving uh, his pass rushing moves and ability to shed blocks. But uh, he has some quickness off the edge. Uh, some solid athleticism. So I think, you know, for a, a undrafted free agent, he's definitely worth signing and uh, having as competition, uh, even in training camp, just helping to improve those, uh, those one-on-ones that your young offensive linemen uh, have in practice to help get them ready for games. I think having just a guy that has some rush ability will help them to improve as well. So, from a practice perspective, I think it makes uh, good sense for the Jets in terms of improving the quality of reps they have for their offensive linemen. And he's another guy where I think, you know, the the beginnings could be on the practice squad where you have him there, uh, continue to work with them as a run defender because that's going to be an issue given the size, uh, help them to improve the moves to getting off blocks and you hope in time maybe he can develop into being a solid, uh, you know, pass rushing edge depth player, designated pass rusher, help keep uh, Carl Lawson fresh. And they could use one more edge rusher there. So whether that comes in the 2022 draft or free agency, uh, they need that to kind of emerge. So he's in a really good position and will have a really good opportunity. Robert Sala uh, will give a fair shot to undrafted and late round guys. Uh, so, you know, even though last year didn't go that well for him, he landed in a really good spot for him to carve out an NFL career. So uh, I think that this, you know, this signing makes a lot of sense for the Jets as well. Charlie, last question. How do you think the Jets did overall? Overall, I think it was a solid draft. I think, you know, given the, uh, you know, what they went into the draft with needs uh, uh, on offense, especially uh, this draft was much stronger for offensive prospects than it was on defense. And I think teams always do better uh, and get better values when they draft to the strength of the draft uh, compared to, uh, when they're reaching more on needs. Uh, and so while the Jets are, are a big rebuilding project, they really had a lot of different ways they could go. I think they came through 
with a really solid draft, especially uh, those first four picks on offense, I think really help uh, to lay a foundation on that side of the ball, which I think was needed because uh, outside of Becton and uh, say the receivers, you're really looking for some long-term starters out of this draft. And I think they came through and were able to do that. So I think it was a really, it was a good uh, to, you know, solid, very good draft. It just all depends on how these guys pan out. Uh, But I think their thinking was really good. I think that where they took guys, they got good values at the spots. They didn't reach. uh, They didn't take players that, really uh, weren't worthy of going as high as where they took them. I think they did really well with their values uh, and getting the right players at the right spot. So I think this was a really good draft, lays the foundation. It's probably going to be another tough year for the Jets, um, but this is a rebuilding project, and this was kind of a, a cornerstone in that project to build up from there. Nice to hear some praise for the Jets draft from one of the best in the game. It doesn't happen all that often. At least it certainly didn't the last few years where the Jets were striking out a lot in the draft. I hope that these players turn out to be what we're all expecting them to be. Charlie Campbell, senior draft analyst over at WalterFootball.com. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I know that even though the draft is over, you've still got plenty of stuff going on. You're reviewing teams' drafts. You're going to be doing the Why the Slide series, which I love. That's one of my favorite things that you guys do over at WalterFootball.com, where you explain why some of these players slid further than most people anticipated. You've already got stuff up getting people ready for the 2022 draft. So no rest for the wicked over there, right, Charlie? That's right. We're going uh, year-round, so yeah, we're... Uh, can have why the slide and why undrafted series going and then in the summer uh, really start hitting hard the 2022 players so it, it's a year-round thing and uh, it's we're we're going constantly so plenty of new stuff going up there all the time brand new stuff over at walterfootball.com for you to check out and plenty of new stuff over at playlikeajet.com and the play like a jet youtube channel we talked about the jets draft class there's videos up right now breaking down the players that the jets got at the top of the draft there's zach wilson videos there's a michael carter film video there's an elijah moore film video luke grant did all of them they're really really good they're short they're easily digestible check them out and subscribe to our youtube channel right now and if you haven't given us a five-star review on itunes yet if you could go ahead and do that for us really appreciate it easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com